0: Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast with your host, Kayla Osterhoff. As a health scientist, biohacker, and generally curious person, I'm always looking for new ways to optimize and integrate mind, body, and spiritual health. I created this podcast to explore the magic and science of human biology and expand your consciousness through learning. If you enjoy the episode that you're about to hear, please leave a review and share it with someone who can benefit from the information. Now let's get curious. Hey guys, Happy New Year and welcome to season two of the BioCurious podcast. I'm so excited that the new season is here finally. Thank you guys for hanging in there and coming back to tune in to season two. You are going to love it. We have so many amazing guests and fascinating topics lined up for the coming year that I just cannot wait to start getting these out to you guys. So since we're into a new year and a new decade actually, I've revamped and or recommitted to a lot of my health and wellness routines, including my fitness routine, my sleep routine, and also my self-care routines. And so one of the things that I've been super stoked about is my sleep scores as of late. So during december and january my routines really got off track while i was traveling and eating too much eating all the wrong things drinking too much staying up too late not sleeping in my normal sleep environment not having my normal routines around sleep or um, my morning routine or self-care and it really took a toll on my sleep scores So I use BioStrap, as you guys have heard from me before. I love the BioStrap, it's my favorite wearable because of the features that it has for self-experimentation, one being the Sleep Lab, which is super cool because it tracks all kinds of really important metrics around sleep, but also for general health and wellness. And so during December and January, when I was off track with everything, I really noticed a lot of changes negatively in my overall sleep score, but also in my biometrics related to that. So my heart rate was a lot higher. My respiration rate was a lot higher. And also my heart rate variability scores just tanked. I went from being an average of around 110 or so down to the low 60s for two straight months. And no matter how good I was like during the day, my sleep HRV was just terrible because my overall routines were like super off. So, when I finally got back to Atlanta from traveling, I decided to use my BioStrap metrics as a biofeedback tool so that I could hack my sleep and then test some of my sleep routines to see which things could really get me back on track quickly and get me back to a healthy heart rate variability score, which is your overall best metric for resilience and measure your level of readiness to perform both mentally and physically. And so actually by using those metrics, I've honed in on a few things that have made a huge difference to get me back to amazing sleep scores and also back to over a hundred for my heart rate variability score. Those things include exercise during the day, sleeping in a cold, dark environment, not eating after dark or any any time around sleep getting to bed and waking up at the same time each day or at least relatively close to the same da- time each day has been super helpful so one thing that has helped which is kind of surprising is i actually bit the bullet, and I finally bought an orthopedic neck pillow to sleep with, and I just found one on Amazon that had good ratings to test it out, and it has been a game changer for my sleep. I know that my other routines around health and wellness and nutrition have really helped with my sleep, but I think that the wake-ups have been due to changing my pillow, so that might be something you guys to try, but I noticed on the app platform that my wake ups have now gone from between six and 10 times per night down to one or two, which is just major. So I'm really excited and I hope that it keeps going and I'm going to keep kind of tweaking and honing my routines to see if I can get these scores to be even better. So I'll let you guys know how that goes. If you don't already have one, grab yourself a Biostrap. You can actually use a discount code that I have if you want to get one. It's BioCurious20. And then also, I'll just include the link down in the show notes as well to make it easy for you guys if you want to go read up on the Biostrap, check out their platform. You can also download the app um, even if you don't have a Biostrap and check it out and um, See if that's something that you might want to use for your biofeedback. So the other thing that I've been really focused on right now is my fitness routine, which really fell off the wheels during the holidays, especially. um, And when I was back home in Reno, but then also when I was traveling out to California for school and a few conferences that I had out there, I was only probably working out maybe twice a week if that, during that time. And my, my running and biking routine, especially the endurance training, has really fallen off. And so that's something that I'm getting back to. And a few things that really contribute to that, um, one is sleep, so that's been helpful. But the other one is nutrition and like supplementation. Since I got back, I've been doing basically a, a detox diet which is helping me to reset my gut microbiome and metabolism, but it's also really supporting my fitness routine and helping me with my energy levels. For six weeks, I dedicated to be really strict with it and I'm having no processed food, no sugar, limited carbs, um, lots of dark leafy, colorful veggies and really high quality grass finished organic protein and then high quality fats. And that's, that's really the gist of it. It's pretty simple, but then on the supplementation side, I'm just going back to the basics where I'm um, trying to get as much nutrients from the food as I can and also supporting my gut with a probiotic. The one I use is called Thrive. I can also link that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. And so the only other supplements that I'm taking right now is my Genius Brand, branch chain amino acids to support my workouts. And I, I think I've told you guys about them before. They're really high quality um, fermented BCAAs and they always just make me feel like gold. And then the other supplement that I've been using is um, also from Genius Brand and it's called Keto Genius. And this one is a mixture of exogenous ketones, nootropics, and some basic minerals so it really is kind of like a triple whammy that replaces a few supplements that i would take anyways so it's nice to have it all in one it's a lot cheaper than buying all these things separately and also they don't include sugar or artificial flavors so it works really well with my diet especially this detox diet and being really strict right now and i can actually take it while i'm intermittent fasting or doing a longer term fast and it won't knock me out of my fast, which is really cool because there is no calories in it. And so with these nutritional and supplement shifts, I've really noticed like a crazy energy boost and my mood has been better. And my whole athletic performance has really been surprisingly good with these changes that I'm making. And I think it has to do with a combination of better sleep, better, really clean nutrition, and then just going back to the basics with the supplements for now. So if you guys are interested in checking out the Genius supplements that I'm taking, um, I'll also link those in the show notes, and then you can use the code BIOCURIOUS if you want to try those out. But I will keep you guys updated on how my progress goes with all of this and how my fitness routines kind of evolve throughout the year as I get into race season, and then as I get closer to my national championship race which is in May, and then my world championship race in Amsterdam this year which is in September, and I'm really going to need to be at the top of my game for that, so I'll let you guys know how all of that goes. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Dr. Ted Achikoso, who is the founding pioneer of health optimization medicine and practice, which is the clinical framework of the detection and correction of imbalances at the level of the metabolome. Dr. Ted is board certified in both anti-aging medicine and nutritional medicine in Paris. He's also trained in medical informatics, medical statistics, and artificial intelligence. He was trained in pharmacology, toxicology, neurology, and he maintains a tri-continental practice in health optimization medicine. He also formulated blue canatine of the Troscriptions brand, which is one of the most sought after nootropics in the biohacking world. So as you can see, Dr. Ted is a super busy guy. And so I am just so grateful that he took the time to have this conversation and share his knowledge with all of us. And especially because he took the time to have a three hour conversation, which was, extremely informative and just invaluable. So much so that I have split this episode into a two-part episode so you guys can fully absorb the information that Dr. Ted shares with us. In part one of this episode, which you guys are about to hear, we go into health optimization medicine and what that means from a clinical standpoint and at the individual level. And also, we're going to talk about everything from balancing hormones to balancing the metabolome to epigenetics to mental health and everything in between. So this is going to be a fully jam-packed hour worth of learning and then make sure to tune in to next week's episode which is where dr ted and i actually get into more of the esoteric aspects of health and medicine and we talk a lot about personal development and spiritual health as it relates to the ego and so that one is also a fascinating conversation that you guys will not want to miss so let's get into it. <laughs> so, Dr. Ted, we we kind of just like dove right into this yeah. conversation, yeah. and so I want to back up just a little bit. Uh, sure. For the listeners, I'm sure many of mm-hmm. my listeners are already familiar with your work. They are certainly familiar with the concept of health optimization, and probably a lot of them are familiar with health optimization medicine, which we've been talking mm-hmm. about here for a few minutes, but. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your origin story and how you even got into the field of health optimization medicine because you came from a very diverse and kind of unique background that i think really contributes to the way that you think about and practice health
1: well the way i describe it kayla is that i'm a victim of an adhd Career hopping, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding. I uh, uh, See, I was a biology undergrad when I was 15 years old. And uh, what uh, impressed me a, a lot about uh, that in undergraduate was the uh, ecosystem, right? And how we are one with our ecosystem. And uh, how increasingly uh th- we have raised the layers of abstractions in human being such that it frightened me when one of my grand nephews when he was very young i asked him hey you know um where does uh where does beef come from and he said from the supermarket um it, it, and that frightened me because then we were actually raising the kids to be totally out of touch with the ecosystem of which they're growing so Fast forward, you know, I I went to medical school um, and and then uh, I trained in um, uh, pharmacology and toxicology Uh, because illness medicine really does only two things, right? Either we give you drugs or we do surgery on you. We're we're really very good at acute uh, acute situations like acute infections, for example, uh, or acute trauma, but we're very poor in chronic diseases. Right. And then uh, so I was thinking then, you know, these chronic diseases, uh, what are they? You know, um, are, are they a consequence of aging and so on? And um, uh, just as a quick aside, you know, if you take a look at the newer models of aging right now, if you take aging as a disease, you, you see basically uh, aging, sorry, aging as a process. You see that, uh, for example, the chronic diseases as you get older are just the signs and symptoms of aging. Right. So um, uh, I said, is there a way to, to reverse that? But when I came to um, train in... Uh, so I, I trained in, um, of all things, interventional neuro radiology, right? Which is, uh, I, I used to say, you know, um, I know my poisons because I know my pharmacology, so I can poison you. And <laughs> <laughs> and I know, how to, I, I know how to poke brains because I'm an interventional neuroradiologist, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, looking at the, uh, looking at, uh, the brain and, and studying it and how it functions and what you can do for people with, with vascular diseases and so on. Um, and then when I um, uh, came to train in medical informatics, and that was the beginning of medical informatics, I trained under the guy who actually founded Medical Informatics Worldwide. And that's where I did a lot of um, — uh, I continued uh, some with my uh, intervention in radiology, but by now I was uh, teaching uh, medical informatics, and my research was on artificial intelligence. And of all things, you know, um, connect- connectionist systems. And uh, I just heard a couple of years ago that this is now called deep learning. I said, "What the fuck is deep learning?" And) <laughs> It's just the popular saying. Oh, that was connectionless systems or neural networks, and you could see uh, there very clearly that, like the ecosystems that I was fascinated with, where we're all networked with. You know, you see the the uh, the uh, uh, models in artificial intelligence that use uh, these uh, networks of connections in order to do the things that you wanted the machine to do, um, and uh, so. After that, I uh, actually uh, uh, started my my uh, my own company. Uh, I, I created the first wireless groupware, uh, and and again, that's about people, groups of people communicating, right? And I have patents and stuff, uh, other stuff, and those. Um, and then I, um, I, when I was thirty-five, as I told you, I'm already an old man. Uh, When I was 35, I was asked, uh, Dr. Ted, you know, where do you think medicine is going? Um, Because I was consulting for as a senior science and technology advisor for an investment firm. And and, um, I said, you know, medicine is going the way of, uh, you know, uh, regenerative medicine is going to go the way of anti-aging medicine it's going to go the way of trying to solve chronic diseases and with, with newer perspectives and so on. And that was when I was 35. So when I was done with my, my company, I said, you know, um, um, let me put my money where my mouth is. So I went to Paris and I retrained in anti-aging medicine and nutritional medicine. That's, you know, balancing the hormones and balancing the nutrients in the body, you know, which I did for a couple of years. And then I got fortuitified from um, there. And then there was something still missing, right? Because the way we're looking at anti-aging medicine and uh, nutritional medicine is again the way we look at diseases. You know, we do this to the thyroid, and we do this to the, uh, you know, to the pancreas, and we do this to adrenals and so on. And I said, you know, there's really something missing in here. Um, and I said, we're still taking care of those special organs and those specialized cells and trying to balance them. And I said, there's no, uh, and then biohackers came around, uh, you know, it's, it's not a new idea, right. Uh, as you said earlier, and biohackers came around and I said, you know, there's re-, and they want to, to optimize performance, right. And coming from where I am, I, you know, people wanted to optimize their brain performance, right. And, and so on. And I keep on saying that there could be no, um, uh, performance optimization without any health optimization in other words if you do not optimize your your basic cell right then then uh, uh, you cannot optimize performance at all because you're basically just taxing the cell and you know you know from here you could take a look now at the body as an ecosystem rather than a, a suite of organs right and uh, instead of the 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 ill just medicine, would look at the human being a part of a population, and that's why you have population studies, randomized controlled trials on, on drugs, and so forth. Uh, but here, this, and this is now what I call the holobiont perspective, right? That's why I think you heard the term that I introduced uh, called biont hacking, holobiont hacking, right? Because yes. we, look, yeah, we take a look at the body as an ecosystem now made up of uh, cooperating and non cooperating organisms right so um, and, and then and then we're back to the network right so that's the common thread of of where, where I have been coming from but just going on a different uh, different layer of perspective so from viewing the humans as a network of organs etc uh, now we're viewing uh, the humans as uh, a network of uh, interacting organisms because by evolution you know might have mitochondria are separate uh, organisms and your anaerobic bacterium became your nucleus and cytoplasm, right? And then there's mitochondria there, there's two organisms right there. You have your microbiota, not only in your gut, but in your skin, in your cornea. And I attended uh, um, the uh, microbiota uh, conference in Milan on uh, pregnancy, you know, uh, childbirth, neonate, uh, et cetera. And you know, we used to think that uh, the placenta was sterile, and they're finding um, microbiota in there, so a lot of things like this are coming up, and no one in the uh, illness medicine group is actually doing this and putting it this, this is how do I make this relevant to clinical practice right? so and uh, uh, and then and then, um, uh, and then, of course, you have. Uh, organisms that produce uh, uh, specialized uh, uh, molecules, like your neurohormones, for example, for your for your brain, like your neurotransmitters, uh, and and so forth. So you could see immediately that we could classify uh, usefully uh, the the body as containing four sets of organisms. And if we could just take care of those, because they're in a the network, we're essentially taking care of each and every cell in the body, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and then it, it, this brings about really useful perspectives like, for example, uh, the uh, evolutionary uh, uh, directive, the evolutionary uh, imperative of a cell is to survive, right? And it mm-hmm. is surviving in, uh, in, in uh, regulatory control with other cells under agreement right but if you put in a toxin in there uh, you know that is uh, carcinogenic or, or or and so forth and the cell will say i do want to survive and it will start multiplying right we, and it will break away from the regulation of the body so these are the kinds of perspectives that you get you know if you put your perspective down to the level of those in the, of those uh, organisms that are within the holobiont that comprises us um, so suddenly we are not looking. Uh, I- I- in fact, um, uh, there are many of these many of these processes, like right, right uh, occur uh, without our conscious knowledge. Uh, the most one of the most exciting and most frightening one was, uh, you know, when when we found out that there was actually interkingdom crosstalk between bacteria and human cells. You know, the the bacteria actually produce outer membrane vesicles with with um, uh, with some uh, siRNA, you know that that then uh, fuses with uh, intestinal cells and regulate the the intestinal cells b- uh, via epigenetics. It's like, oh my god, you know, the bacteria are now controlling my my <laughs> cells, you know. And and this these kinds of things have to be. I have have extreme importance as to how we view health and disease, right?
0: right,
1: right. that's how we view the body,
0: right? so yeah oh yeah yeah oh go ahead sorry <laughs>
1: yeah no that's 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 a long way of uh, of uh, saying where i came from and how i ended here right back to the hall of bionthus and network
0: yeah it is i love your perspective in the way that you think about health and how you kind of pull from all these different areas of your education and your your career path to bring more of this holistic view, this kind of, it's almost a 30,000 foot view, but maybe the opposite because you're going all the way down to the cellular level and you're looking up. Um, So maybe it's the opposite of that, but it's still like backing away from getting so focused on a disease or a disease pathway and really looking at the cellular level. Um, But I think the most exciting thing for me in this field is Yeah, it may be scary that there are these other foreign organisms living in our body that do have some say in our health. However, just like you mentioned, the field of epigenetics is putting the control back in our hands because they interact to the environment. And because we're humans and we have the ability to think and make choices and understand these things, we can actually determine. What we put into our environment or what environment we expose ourselves to at least to some extent and we can Optimize the way that those little bugs in our bodies and our own cells react to the environment and so That's why I think epigenetics is so important and so um, Exciting is because it really is putting the power back in our hands and out of the hands of something else out of our control like like some disease or genetics or something like that we're realizing that you know it is more about the environment
1: i i, I do uh, agree with you there uh one of the things that i've always cried i'm sure you've heard me say this many times is that we've become too dna centric right and for me yep. that's just just a symptom of being cholesterol centric when you're a cardiologist when there are many other things that are, that are, are now being considered Right, Uh, that you you cannot consider in uh, instead of just cholesterol. You know, it's just like oh, you can just consider DNA now. So that's going to be sort of like the bane of of uh, perspective uh, for a while. Um, But the the other thing, Taylor, that I wanted to emphasize is that now now these these microorganisms that are uh, inside us, we don't consider them now as foreign to us. We now consider them as part of us. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from the Holobiont perspective, it's not foreign; it's there. And uh, with the concept of environment, for example, the food that you eat is the environment of these uh, organisms. So, right. in as little as assess- seventy-two hours, your mi- you know your microbiota will change. Uh, for example, if you if you travel, uh, you know, to a different place with a different time zone. You can get jet lag microbiota and your microbiota uh, will change if you're eating the native food over there. So, and that becomes the environment of your microbiota. So you're, you're looking at this, look, the the microbiota are doing these rapid changes, but if you're looking at your mitochondria, they evolve, right? In order for you to be able to, uh, utilize, uh, the, the proton gradient, uh, as either, uh, you have to lose some of the, of the uh, uh, gradient to heat, or you have a one-to-one coupling, right? Oxidative coupling. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you could see the endurance runners are coming from Kenya, right? And uh, because they're (laughs) one-to-one coupling, and uh, you could see that uh, those who are are, uh, trained in cold climates, and then they try to compete uh, in in, uh, hot or tropical uh, climates, uh, generally they overheat, right? Because um, they're, uh, they They are actually evolved their mitochondria evolved for a whole time, so they those are slowly more slowly evolving during but then they also adapt to the environment. These are bacteria inside the cells that are adapting to the environment, and then you have your bacteria or uh, exosymbionts that um, that are adapting to your very very quickly to your energy mm. source right? your
0: energy yeah
1: source food, right? so so but we, we, we fuck it up, Kayla. You know, um, <laughs> you, you know um, as you said, the environment, we, we introduced electricity. Now we have phototoxicity in the environment, right? Uh, uh, now now we, have, we have EMF toxicity and so on. Aside from the fact that we have all the environmental exposures to, to uh, glyphosate and, you know, mercury and all of this, you know, one of the things I've seen rising from my from my clients is that uh, their mercury levels are rising. And so Mm. it's cadmium. Uh, So it's cadmium, cadmium is rising. And uh, these are just observations that I'm making, right? Um, uh, A a while back, uh, many years ago, a friend of mine from the European Food and Safety Agency said, you know, Ted, the the next uh, thing that you're gonna see uh, rise in your clients will be uh, uh, cadmium. Is it because all of those rebars uh, that uh, were used in buildings in the 1940s right they were used as anti rust and they 're now down they have uh, they 're in the ground they have leached into our food chain, and now our plants actually have cadmium so and mm-hmm. and the, the you know we uh, are, are the animals that we eat you know eat these plants and therefore we 're seeing a rise in cadmium so we 're unaware of these things uh, you know things that are sc- uh, scary like uh like like uh, uh, endocrine disruptor uh, chemicals, right? And the uh, uh, endocrine disruptor compounds. You know, there was a, a huge study done for for uh, males under thirty uh, for their testosterone levels in Europe, and we we already are seeing that there is a decline from what was uh, what were the values from from before. As you know, when my endpoint when I optimize is. Optimizing your, your nutrients, for example, to the levels when you were between 21 and 30 years old, because that's what you consider the optimal period, right? You move the entire network to 21 to 30. So, uh, so but looking at all of these poisons from an environment is a holy shit, you know, what's, what's going to be our new uh, optimal level, you know, uh, if, if we're seeing this kind of disruption to our environment? Uh, mm. See, and that's that's the whole yeah. field of exposomics,
0: <laughs> right? Right. It is, <laughs> and it and it's different based on what population you're working with. For instance, if you're working with a a rural population outside of Manila, you're going to see a lot different um, endocrine disruptors and a lot of different toxins and a lot of different issues than you would see in, for instance, somebody in Middle America.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I, I read, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, well, as a toxicologist, I'm interested in all of these toxins. And one of the first clients that I had uh, actually uh, abused anabolic steroids. And I said, holy shit, I know nothing about synthetic anabolic steroids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to sit down and study for a few months uh you know uh, exactly what bodybuilder for using what they were injecting and so on i said because by by i said i i think we have a moral obligation to know this even if they're illegal you know how to take them out of those and how to treat the the um how to treat the uh side effects uh that you would get from that but these are these are you know these are the things that that we've been doing right um and 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 that's a result of wanting to do performance optimization without doing health optimization first right? mm. um yeah see and now um, yeah. look <laughs> what do what do, what, do, what do these bodybuilders do right they they now sleep on time they you know eat properly and so on and so forth you know as you said lifestyle first things first You know, um, uh, you know, you have to take care of the fundamental self first and where it's attached to a network to before before you um, you can even say, okay, now I can grow my muscles and now I can be flexible and now I can compete and so on, because those are all performance types of um, of uh, uh, activities. Right. Um, Right.
0: Yeah, I I, think a lot of people want to jump to that performance side, especially in the biohacking world. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of skipping the essential um, kind of lifestyle daily practice things that are kind of boring. They want to skip over that and they want to get to the cool biotech and they want to get to the nootropics and they want to get to whatever's going to enhance their functionality, but they forget about like you need to get your body to like a healthy baseline first. And then we can talk about optimizing specific areas.
1: Yes, uh, uh, and and that's why um, I you, you know that I formulated a nootropic right uh, called Yes. Yes, and people have been, You know, people love it because well, hey, it works, right? Yeah. And right. I actually <laughs> like, like health optimization medicine. I actually made it for myself, right? Uh, because you land and you have to be on and mm-hmm. i said well and i was inspired by the movie limitless you know by uh, i said where can i get that nzt 40 or whatever it was yeah <laughs> and i said well you know i i'm i'm a I, I i'm a pharmacologist i i know how to do this let me just formulate it and let me see what i want to do with it and uh what functions that do i, I want to have and so on so i formulated it and then um you know, well it works for me and other people actually seem to love it and i said well okay you know um uh, then maybe there's something here right um Mm -hmm. but my my uh caveat to that is that it perform it works a lot better right you will have no calm down uh uh the the is actually very gentle right I, i i made sure of that but if you are um if your neurons are Self-optimized, like your neurotransmitter levels, or dopamine, serotonin, you know, uh, norepinephrine. Your tyrosine levels are low, and you know, your vitamin B six levels are are uh, are optimal. Then you will see you if you're even if you just those basic things that you look at, if, mm-hmm. if those are optimized, you will have a better performance, right? Right. Uh, with with the blue canopy. So, right. so, so- this is true with any other nootropic, any other performance enhancer, you know, if, if your basic cell is healthy, then it's easier for you to push it, to, to stress it out to better performance. And as soon as the stress is lifted, because when you're, when you're putting your, your, your foot on the accelerator, right, uh, after mm-hmm. that, you will have to, to uh, pull it back. And when you pull back, the engine actually uh, cools more quickly. And the performance actually, your 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 uh, your cell, your your neuron, uh, actually goes back to its to its normal function uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. more quickly, right? It's just it's just your right. like recovery period in exercise is shorter, right?
0: Right, and the the blue canatine. The thing I like about it is exactly that there is no there is no going below your performance or your cognition before you took the nootropic. And some other ones that I've done, um, not only do they give you like a racing heart and and yeah. kind of a anxiety overload, um, some of them, but yeah. also once they wear off, you kind of get a crash. And so I love that about the blue canatine, that you don't have that, you don't experience that afterwards. But um, so, for those who don't understand about the neurotransmitters and how they need to be balanced before or for optimal brain function, can you describe that a little bit um, for folks? What what does that what does like a healthy brain function as far as neurotransmitter look like, and what are you kind of aiming for before you even go down the nootropic?
1: Yeah, um, there are, as I said, you know, you, you want the, the values. Uh, my, my gauge is, you know, um, uh, you have to be at the 50th to 75th percentile of the values between age 21 and 30. So that goes for your dopamine levels, for your serotonin levels, etc. Now, before, uh, you know, the only way you could measure this was you had to uh, do a brain biopsy, right? uh in order to determine your life. oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> but, but but now you now have uh correlative statistics right you take the you take the platelets you take a look at their um the the metabolites of dopamine right mm-hmm. uh, homo, like dopamine is homo acid you know uh, serotonin is uh, 5-h uh uh five uh, 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 sorry five acid and so on so you take a look at their downstream metabolites and you could correlate this with the levels in the brain, so there are now those types of correlative statistics, so you can get them from your blood um you know uh, for that, or uh, uh there's now also correlation with urine mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: whereas before we weren't able to do this right, uh, right. we were we' were not able to do this, and so now we we do that so there are, you know, uh, the, the brain has, uh, is uh, very interesting in that there are, although there are over 100 neurotransmitters in the brain, there are a few that are dominant, right? For example, glutamate is the, uh, the main excitatory neurotransmitter. It's just, it's, this is like, uh, the way I, I, I've seen it described, which is really nice, is that this is just like your, um, your uh, uh, cell tower signal, you know, it's generalized it's all over the brain and it's a main excitatory neurotransmitter. and of course GABA is the main inhibitory neurotransmitter. and then you have your specialized ones like dopamine for your focus and uh, the saliency uh, signaling mechanism for reward right it signals you to produce your endogenous uh, opiates um, in your body so that you experience pleasure when, when you get a reward but in, uh, dopamine is the one that's signaling that and is responsible mm-hmm. for focus. Uh, for example, uh, you could see an athlete who couldn't focus on his game and you could see that the dopamine levels are actually low, right? So mm-hmm. you have to, so, and you keep on saying practice, 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 but you could <laughs> see that there's actually no very little dopamine, uh, you know, that, that, that your athlete can use. So, um, uh, and then, um, you know, and, and, and then for, for many people, it's, it's not only a, a, a deficit, for example, Many people who are depressed actually have a very high level of the 5-hydroxyindoleacetic um, acid, the, the metabolite of uh, 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 serotonin, right? And <laughs> the reason why they have so high is that they're actually overusing. it. In other w- words, the body knows how to compensate. And when you look at the value here, why is this so high? And and clinically, the uh, the client is uh, saying, you know, I have a low mood and and so on and so forth. And you could see that it. The body trying to compensate by overusing the, the uh, serotonin in the system right and then um and then you um and then you, you test of course for epinephrine because of the wakefulness right um you, you 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 see both uh for example because because for example focused attention would actually need uh both your dopamine and norepinephrine otherwise you know you won't, won't, won't have any focus you'll be asleep in class um uh, <laughs> so uh, so these are the kinds of things and then of course you have to uh kynurenin is a is a very good metabolite to take a look at whether or not the, there's some inflammation in in the brain right this is what i mean by molecular inflammation uh you know you have a high uh, high degree of free radicals those the will raise your kynurenin levels and kynurenin also rises with a lack of vitamin b6 which we find you know uh, uh a lot of um a lot of uh, children with uh attention deficit disorders uh hyper disorders etc or like me with attention deficit disorders would be deficient in b6 and you right. know um so th- this is this is this is how uh you balance the neurotransmitters of the brain but of course uh the the thing that's i'm going to say now is that that's just optimizing this the uh the specialized uh uh molecules that the neuron is producing, you still have to support the nucleus, the cytoplasm, the mitochondria, the microtubules, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, the cell membranes, uh, you know, and the plasma and so forth. That's still the basic cell. So you have to add uh, to to that, that in fact, you have to balance those first, and then you add the, the balancing of the neurotransmitter. But by balancing the basic part of the neuron, you're balancing the basic, all of the basic cells in the body, right? Um, and therefore, you know, you're balancing health.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how it all kind of comes down to basic cellular health. However, when you're looking at optimizing specific organs or, for instance, the brain, you really do have to specialize in exactly what you're aiming at so i i feel like it can get a little overwhelming for folks who who want to you know maybe they're experiencing a a variety of these things and for instance let's say fatigue or a lack of concentration well Mm -hmm. that could be caused by an issue in your gut that could be caused Mm -hmm. which can also cause an issue with your neurotransmitters and it could be Mm -hmm. caused by some toxin in your environment or it could be caused by Uh, lack of nutrition or the wrong nutrition and so Mm -hmm. I I think people's heads start spinning because they think well what am I supposed to do first
1: (laughs) right right Uh, for me you know if you get if you get your uh, metabolites tested Mm -hmm. you know the basic ones like for your mitochondria for right uh, you you know your mitochondrial metabolites you know and um, your your uh uh microbiota metabolites and and so on these are as i said we we discussed that there you know there are only four basic organisms that you could you you could classify them into simplify it for clinical practice right yeah and then um of course the first things that that you take a take a look at is like you know how fast is the you know you, you take a look at the nucleus how fast is the the nucleus rusting the dna in the nucleus rusting you could see that uh, in the test, right? Uh, right. You know, I, you know, how's how's the cellular defense mechanism uh, going? A uh, detoxification mechanism going? Do you take take take, the, take a look at the glutathione levels, right? Uh, so you, you could see uh, Im- immediately uh, what's going on in the basic cells uh, of of the body, and then you go to the um, to the uh, mitochondria. You know, what's the energy production like? What are the missing? And usually for fatigue, for example, you see there's the total drop in vitamin, in, in, in all the B vitamins, right?
0: Right. Uh, yep. So
1: the, 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 the processes couldn't move forward, uh, you know, and, 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 and so, you know, uh, take a look at the fatty acids. Fatty acids, uh, you know, comprise all the cell membranes and the, the articula and, and and so on. So... You you could see right. well okay you know uh, there's a, you know we right now Kayla we're giving so much omega three that we're getting an omega three omega six imbalance you could see uh, you know clients with very high omega threes and their omega six are, are way down so because yeah. you know we're not testing and then you could see you know uh, for example um, uh, I saw uh, uh, you know I had to, to call the client immediately I said because the vitamin E levels were very high. And I said, mm-hmm. are you taking vitamin A and, you know, you know taking 10,000 units every day is not a good idea, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, I, and, and because it's, it's toxic, right, at those at, at right. high, high levels. And um, so you could see, you know, that the old arguments, which you still hear now, right? It's like, Dr. Ted, is uh, vitamin C good for me? Uh, measure them. You Measure yeah. vitamin C and see whether or not you need it right
0: exactly Um,
1: yeah you know one of the most common examples that i give is for example uh, during flu season or cold season like uh it's winter right now and you know um people suck on a lot of uh cold peas which is zinc gluconate right Mm -hmm. when you suck on too much of that your copper levels will go down because this is the body how the body will deal with it right um and so you you can measure all of those and it's not you know and and the measurements are a little bit more sophisticated now it's not what you find in the serum which is just about transport right it's Mm -hmm. now about about opening up this the the white blood cells and they or the red blood cells and taking a look at what's in there so this is now intracellular magnesium that you're you're measuring and and so on so we you know and all of these things weren't taught to us in medical school so (laughs) i thought i thought that someone should actually tie all of these together Coherently in a clinical way, right? Because yes. I'm after this, Kayla. It's like there is a client or a patient in front of you. What the fuck do you do? You should have a method of detecting the imbalances, right? And that's in the realm of clinical metabolomics. And and uh, the, you, you should have a, a method of correcting those imbalances. And you should know that the way you move those imbalances is they're all networked. You touch one. You know, you, you increase the zinc, you'll drop the, the, the copper. You you increase the growth hormone, you'll drop the cortisol. So, you know, these things are already well-known, right? They are established in literature. Mm-hmm. It's just we are not paying attention to how they right. right?
0: Yeah, and too often, um, I think another drawback of, of the biohacking world and a lot of people who are... Um, self-proclaimed experts, I guess, um, is they're saying because for them, maybe taking a high dose of zinc really worked well for them because maybe they're just like a stressed out individual and they're really just kind of burning through their zinc stores and maybe their copper is fine. But if you do the same thing to another person who doesn't have that same issue, then you're exactly right. It's going to deplete their copper. And so it's, I, I think uh, it's very complex and, and having data like that you're speaking my language when you when you start talking about data because the reason why I'm such a data nerd and I want to collect data on on every aspect of my health or put some sort of metric to it is because you can't really be sure and you can't generalize these things. Everybody's biology is so unique different. and it, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, and that's why you're right. You know, I I, I always say measure, measure, measure. Yeah, me too. And uh, and this is the way I have been persuading illness medicine people. Look, here's the measurement. Yep. Yep. And uh, for example, uh, one of the knee-jerk responses of illness medicine doctors would be, why are you on hydrocortisone? Right. You know, don't you know, that's bad for you, blah, blah, blah. And they have learned to answer properly. Said, mm. You know, Dr. Dr. Ted measured it and I am deficient. Would you like to measure it for yourself? Right. So, so they have learned to answer properly. And it's nice that, you know, there are uh, podcasters like you who are highly intelligent and highly engaging and uh, highly informative about their content we and then your listeners actually uh, become more educated than the physician uh himself or herself right and yeah they and exert that's pressure, yeah. they exert pressure on the illness medicine doctor to say oh, okay. that's
0: what we need yeah they yeah. need to go in with a list of questions that they need to ask their doctor and don't let them rush them out of the office and you know you if you go in for instance you go into the doctor Um, even me, I go in for a general, um, just a general workup, a general physical, and they run some lab tests and everything. And based on what insurance covers, which is just horrendous, there's Mm -hmm. only four tests that they do as far as, um, measuring your, your metabolic or your metabolomics. There's, there's four tests they do standard for everyone, which don't, first of all, don't give you the full picture. Secondly, Mm -hmm. they don't really give you any useful information anyways, because Mm -hmm. everybody is deficient in some sort of B vitamin, especially women. So they're always saying, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, if you're a woman, they're most likely going to tell you, (laughs) take an iron, take a supplement, a Mm -hmm. multivitamin with iron and take a multivitamin with all the B vitamins and they send you on your way. But if you go in what people don't understand is they actually do have control and if they go in with a list of lab tests that they want to get done the doctor will do it whether it's covered by your insurance or not is another question but if you value your health over some other things like going to the movies or you know going out to dinner then you can you can prioritize that and put money towards it where you know, for me, and I know for a lot of people and they maybe don't realize it, health is the most valuable thing that we have. And so what you can't really put a dollar to that.
1: Yes, I, uh, uh, I tell my clients and patients, you know, health is your true wealth. Right. So exactly. and, and you said a very important word, right, which is value. So what do you value? Right, because I, I get all sorts of excuses. Like, Doctor, Ted, I can't do this because I have to take care of my kids and blah blah blah. I said, well, okay, if you're sick, who's going to take care of your kids? Right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the other thing is for me uh, uh, a really sad story, Kayla, is that um, I have I had one of uh, you know one of the richest guys in 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 the country uh, you know come to me and and um, I, I won't say which country. Uh, come to me and said, um, you know, uh, you know, let's ha- let's do all these tests and uh, for metabolomics, and then let's balance it out and, and so on. And and he said, uh, well, that's too expensive. I have uh, better uses for my money than for my health. And two wow. years, two years later, he committed suicide. <sighs> so, you know. Uh, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that sadden me. Uh, you know, w- when you do not see your values clearly, mm-hmm. what exactly do you value, right? Uh, right. I, I, and so, so as you know, I, I started a a, a nonprofit. Uh, we got our nonprofit status last year, precisely yes. to teach. Uh, yeah, it's uh, homehope.org or healthofconversationmedicine dot org, where which teaches uh, all of these uh, seven modules you know um f- on how how uh, uh doctors and healthcare practitioners can actually train in health optimization wouldn't
0: it be so right? cool if every yeah. wouldn't it be like amazing if every md out there had this training like how incredible would that be for Human you, race.
1: <laughs> you know, you know. I, I lectured to uh, a bunch of uh, third year medical students, right? And they just finished their biochemistry. They just finished everything, and so on. And they were wide eyed. It's like what? This is "I know <laughs> this. I can do clinics already." At you know when you're yeah. a, a junior uh, in in, uh, in 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 medicine, right? Yeah. It's like just looking at that, and it's like. They said, holy shit, you know, now we know what was important in biochemistry just with a single lecture, right? Yes. And yeah, just with a single lecture. You know, it was, a, it was a one and a half hour lecture and I told them, okay, here's what's, what's important. This is what I do and so on. Like, and they knew all the biochemical pathways because they just memorized the thing, right? Mm-hmm. But they said, hey guys, you know, clinical metabolomics is 40 years old, but it's now crept into our clinics. You know, so the tests are available <laughs> you know, and uh, and the uh, the more the more inspiring ones are the ones who are graduating medical school and they they say you know dr ted you know um i I wish I didn't have to take any residency you know um and 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 box me into some illness medicine specialty. I want to do health uh, mm-hmm. so one of the projects that I have is to to uh try and get health optimization medicine at least as a um medical specialty fellowship you know um amazing in medical if that's if that happens you know would be would be great i mean and, and when also, that
0: happens yes, when that when happens. that happens
1: yeah. yes I, I i like i like your spirit you know um uh as as you know we we now have health organization practice uh uh people in in europe and in australia so we're Getting there. Something that I started 11 years ago, you know, just for myself is getting there. And kind of like blue canatin, something I just made for myself is getting there. But you yes. know, Kayla, actually, uh, canatine is part of the prescription line our prescription brand of products. And that was actually, um, uh, I, I started that actually because first for myself, but there are certain issues in health optimization that you could not address right away. Right. If a person is in pain, for example, or if a person has anxiety, if a person has insomnia, etc., you need something in more immediate because balancing takes time. Yes. In fact, I, I, my, I tell my impatient clients, I said, it took you how, how many years to get to this state and you want this to be balanced <laughs> overnight, you know, um, but you, you can't do that. Right. Uh, right. So um, the, the, the next product that we're I'm, I'm, uh, formulating together with another physician is something for pain. Right. And we Mm. are actually using um, since since I am used to the pharmaceutical industry, you know, everything is precision dose. So we're using like a combination of, uh, say, uh, THC and CBD and some terpenes and so on, you know, and uh, a few other things in order to to uh, uh, make, for example, a pain trophy, something like that. Uh, Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Others will be for anxiety because when someone's in pain, someone is in pain, you know, he he or she won't give a fuck about, about balancing. I'm in fucking pain. You have to relieve my pain. Right. Even if you know that your balancing is ultimately going to decrease the total bodily inflammation and that pain will decrease. Right. Uh, But that will take time. Right. That will take time. Um, for example, how do you address people? P- people come to you, and you set the fibromyalgia aside, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, but it, they will still have pain, uh, right? right. Uh, so, um, uh, so the, the cluster of uh, you know um, uh, fibromyalgia, for example, and migraine, and irritable bowel syndrome are all clustered together under the endocannabinoid deficiency, right? So you could see that uh, those you could actually formulate something that will address the pain, and at the same time, uh, address the, the the various syndromes. So the other one is for anxiety. Um, I was talking to a clinical psychologist the other day, it's like, well, that would be a relief, you know. Um, the, uh, and the other one was uh, is for insomnia. So we're, we're looking at, uh, and these are, again, these are problems or issues that you encounter while balancing someone. They are right. not- they're not diseases in themselves, you know? Right. They're
0: well, they're symptoms. they're symptoms.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I leave the diseases to the illness medicine doctors because yeah. I don't
0: want
1: to have to fight right? Uh, well, the, the, it's funny. The idea funny. is to, to bring them in, right?
0: Don't you think that all of these things that we call diseases, really, they're all symptoms? Especially yes. when we're talking uh, and, about chronic disease.
1: Yes, yes. And um, that's one of the newest models of... Uh, of, um, of aging. In fact, it's right. Mm. right? If, uh, so you're, you're growing older as as soon as you're born, you start getting older, right? It's like chronologically older. And then there will be a stage where the signs and symptoms of aging, if you consider it as a a disease, will be all all this diabetes and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Parkinson's and and Alzheimer's and so on. And then uh, ultimately you have mortality. And the wonderful thing about the models today, uh, uh remember in 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 september they uh published this uh nine white men that they gave yeah, uh, growth hormone dhea you know metformin. you heard study? yes yeah um, yeah vitamin d and and um uh, was it zinc and, it was zinc yeah know, and they were and they measured the horvath clock uh the horvath clock uh, is an epigenetic clock right that determines right. From your uh time uh it, it's your uh Metabolic age, right? Yeah, it's like it's your epigenetic age. So yeah. it's your epigenetic age from uh, and it's time for birth, and they will they show that they were able to reduce it by two mm. and a half years after a year, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, you know this is an improvement over the telomere age, right? Uh, right. You know, pe- people ask me what my telomere age is all the time. I'm fifty-eight. My telomere age is thirty-two, and holy fuck, you know, I didn't fit into the twenty-one to thirty range that I was shooting. for. Ah. But um, <laughs> and, and, I think I just, you're doing great.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, um, and and um, you know I'm about to get my uh, my uh, epigenetic age done. So, but the, the more interesting clock that has come up is actually the Grim age clock, which is uh, essentially your time to death. Can you imagine that mm. there are clocks now right like this <gasps> that, can your that tells you your, how much longer you can live. To, yes, or time. Oh to my gosh! First, time to your first heart attack or time oh. to your first morbidity. Really, time to your oh, first high blood pressure. And,
0: that's yes, terrifying. And,
1: and, <laughs> yeah, and this was done statistically, right? And uh, wow. it, was, it was actually uh, a nice way of of, uh, of uh, doing it because they uh, essentially took the Hervat clock and then they superimposed the data for smokers from the Framingham Heart, Heart Study, for which these mm. other you know, illness medicine doctors have a lot of respect for. And, and they found out that putting in those risk factors in there, you know, you could actually predict the time to die and wow. for the general population, not just for smokers. And that's the power now of doing, you know, a lot of the artificial intelligence work, you know, they, mm-hmm. were, doing by, they were doing this by neural networks, not by brute force computing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, um, uh, now, in illness medicine, there will be a challenge, uh, I, I, I think, that will come to them because right now they have their treatments, right? They have their treatments of drugs or surgery, and their end point is always, what's my five-year mortality rate, right? Or what's my five-year survival rate, my three-year survival mm-hmm. rate? It's all about death, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it will be funny mm-hmm. if this became standardized and it, you. You so say, you, and they will ask the patients, "As uh, doctor, you know, I've been uh, six months or a year under your your drug regimen. How far have you pushed me away from death?" So, <laughs> so wow, uh, you, you know. So these are these are the new things that we have, huh. Uh that are coming up. Yeah, our our I don't know uh, how module. I feel
0: about that. <laughs> uh, I I'm I'm excited about it as a scientist, but as uh like my compassionate side is scared about that because I think it's, I mean, it is effective to to kind of scare people into being more healthy. However, I just wonder like how much stress it could induce if you tell a person, well, you know, you're only gonna live to 58. I mean, it will put a fire (laughs) under their ass to make some changes, but also it might frighten them. (laughs)
1: You, you, no, it should frighten the healthcare <laughs> yeah, provider, right? Yeah, it should frighten yeah. the healthcare provider because your therapy ain't working, man. Right, you know, you're that's not, true. You're, you're yeah. not moving the needle anywhere.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And, and right now, my endpoint in health optimization, as I said, you know, 50th to 75th percentile of the values mm-hmm. of your hormones and your testosterone year between 21 and 30 years old. But mm-hmm. this, this will be, yeah, this can become our new uh, endpoint now you know, aside from balancing you, oh, okay, here's how far we've, we've, uh, uh, extended your, your yeah. cells. Yes. Right. Wow. Um, in fact, I, I like the, um, the, uh, the information, uh, theory, you know, um, uh, model of aging, uh, uh, proposed by Sinclair, you know, David Sinclair where, mm. um, he, he, they're focusing on epigenetics, of course. And, and uh, they uh, uh, essentially are, are looking at, um, you know, it, it's like the plaque on the teeth. You know, uh, as you get older, mm-hmm. more and more plaques accumulate, and that's your epigenetic crud. And there mm-hmm. are substances, actually, that take out the, those epigenetic crud, right? And, mm. um, and uh, bring it back to a, a younger age. And this is without stem cell therapy, right? So, they are now, you know, they have now uh, used these factors that take out the epigenetic crud, for example, to, to show that a crushed uh, optic nerve can actually regrow. The cells actually know how to regrow properly just by using these factors and using the mm-hmm. uh, younger epigenetic information, right? So, wow. so from that. From um, the model of uh, chronic diseases, right? the model of, of having chronic diseases as you age. You know, it's, a, it's part of aging. It's a science and symptoms. Uh, the, the, those diseases are actually signs and symptoms, right? If you move now the epigenetic age by removing those uh, epigenetic crud, removing the plaque uh, to a younger age, then you basically avoid all of those chronic diseases. And this is the exciting world where we're going.
0: That brings us to the end of part one of this epic episode with Dr. Ted Achikoso, but be sure to tune in next week for part two, where we talk more about the spiritual aspects of health and how to reach the highest levels of awareness and joy. It's definitely an episode that you will not want to miss. <clears throat> If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who could use the information and also leave us a review so that we can grow the BioCurious community and spread more knowledge. I also wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsors who are making Season 2 possible and also helping to make a positive change in this world. These are brands that I personally use and trust. So as I mentioned, the Genius Brand is one of the few supplement companies that I use on a regular basis. They've got a small selection of really high quality supplements for optimal performance of the body and the mind. And you can find them at thegeniusbrand.com and also in the show notes below. The code BioCurious will also get you a little discount, which is a win for all of us. And BioStrap is the other trusted sponsor and brand that I love. And as you guys have heard from me, I use on the daily. It's hands down the best wearable for anyone who is looking to optimize their performance, their health, and put their data into action. You can check them out at biostrap.com and they also have a discount code which is BioCurious20 uh, and you can download their app for free in the app store. The link to BioStrap is also below in the show notes.